Well, hey, my name's Shane. I'm one of the pastors around here, and uh, we're going to continue in our sermon series called Meet Your Maker. Uh, it is not a sermon series on death, okay? This is a sermon series on the attributes of God. We want you, in a sense, to meet, uh, to meet God, to meet who he is, his attributes, his characteristics. Last week, Pastor Chris uh, talked about the sovereignty of God and what that means. And today, we're going to move on and talk to a related subject, but uh, different nonetheless. It's called God's supremacy, okay? God is supreme. God reigns supreme. If you're taking notes, write that at the top. God reigns supreme. Now, the word supreme is a word we don't quite use very often, right? So I was at my kids' soccer games yesterday, and I never once said, Jonas, that was a supreme kick, like I didn't, wouldn't that be weird, right? I never once uh, said, Joseph, that block was supreme, right? It's the word we don't use very much. However, we use it in a couple of ways. Uh, number one, uh, Pastor Chris's favorite pizza in all of the world, a supreme pizza from Round Table Pizza, uh, the King Arthur's Supreme, right? Fancy word for supreme pizza. There it is, there it is. You're gonna get hungry for a little bit. This is, this is a word, why they call it supreme, they, right? There's, there's a lot of, look at that. I mean, does that not look supreme? I mean, it has all the toppings you could ever want in it. This is the best pizza in the world, supreme. And then, and then the other way we use the word supreme most often, especially in the news recently, is the Supreme Court. So, so the Supreme Court, why, is, why do they call it supreme? They call it supreme because it's the highest the highest in the land. What, what, what does that mean? It means that every, every rule they rule on, everything they decide that this, this is the law, every single court in the land has to follow suit. It's the highest authority in the land. Anything that Supreme Court says, everyone else must do. And so today, let me help you define for you the word supreme and how we're going to discuss it today. The word supreme is the authority and rule that God has over all things at all times. This is what we mean when we say God is supreme, that God has authority and rule over all things at all times. So here's what we do at Foothill. We love our Bibles, I encourage you. Uh, there's Bibles in front of you. If you don't have one on your phone, grab one on your phone as well. Um, we're gonna just crack open our Bibles today and see what does the Bible say about God being supreme? Okay, what does the Bible say about God ruling and having full authority over all things at all times? Okay, so let's dive in. I'm gonna give you eight things, okay? Don't worry, we'll move quickly through them. Don't stress, here we go. Number one, God is supreme over us. God is supreme over us. Here's what I mean by the word us. I mean you and I, okay, people. Okay, God, God reigns supreme over over men, women, children, boys, girls, of all ages, God has full authority over all people at all times. God is supreme over us. We studied Psalm 2 back in July. Psalm 2.4 says this, he who sits in the heavens laughs. Okay, everyone give a big laugh for me. Ready? Go. <laughs> yes. Okay. So you're like, God's kind of mean, right? He's just laughing at us. <laughs> Here's what Psalm 2-4 means. Um, it's, he's looking down, God is looking down at foolish, unwise, evil, wicked behavior. And he's sitting there just, ugh, really? People shaking their fists at God. He looks down, really? So like imagine you pull, pull out a lawnmower one day 
and, and you, you bend down to pull the starter and you look down, there's something catches your eye. You grab a magnifying glass, supposing you have one of those still, and you pull it out and you look down and there's a little ant with a sign he's boycotting that says, you won't mow me. Okay, that's about as silly as us shaking our fist at God. Us looking and saying, you don't know what you're doing. God is looking down just like, really? You think you can do something? You think, you, can, you think that ant can do anything to stop my mower from going over that grass? There is nothing that ant can't do, can do to stop me. And likewise, God is supreme over us. God reigns supreme. He's supreme like a potter, Isaiah 64 says, like a potter who makes uh, clay pots. But now, O oh Lord, you are our father. We are the clay. You are our potter. We are the work of your hand. Okay, so, so God is supreme over us. He has the ability, the rule, the authority to mold and make you and I any way he wants to make us. The pot can't say to the potter, why did you make me with this bend in my, in my pots, right? Why did you make me like this? We can't shake our fist. The potter just chuckles and says, you think I submit to you? You think I bow to your will? I am the potter, you are the clay. You'll be molded how I want you to be. Even to the point of being broken. Psalm 2, 9, again, Psalm 2 says, you shall break them with the rod of iron and dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. So if our God reigns full authority, full supremacy over us, it means he actually has the ability to even break his own creations, which is why Genesis 7 and the flood makes sense that God has the ability to destroy all living things in Genesis chapter seven, people shaking their fists at God, saying, who are you, God? And he has the ability as the ultimate potter, the ultimate supreme being over men and women to say, I can destroy you. And so Genesis seven exists because of that. All living things destroyed except those living in Noah's Ark. So God is supreme over us, men, women, children, but number two, God is supreme over creation. God is supreme over creation. I'm making a distinction now between human beings and then everything else we see, plants and animals and mountains and oceans. God is supreme over all of those things as well. We see it at the outset of the Bible. You crack open your Bible to the very first page. Genesis chapter one. The creation of the world. The third verse in your entire Bible says this. And God said... Let there be light. And one of my favorite phrases just simply says, and there was light. He simply spoke and it happened. So, so everyone close your eyes as tightly as you can, okay? Don't, don't worry, I'm not gonna play a joke on you, okay? Close your eyes as tightly as you can. Now this, this darkness that you're seeing, it was, it was hundreds of times darker before God proclaimed light. This darkness you're seeing isn't even close to the darkness that was before God created anything. And then God simply said the words, let there be light and open your eyes and instantly light was created. He didn't have to pray some sort of magical prayer or words in the right order, some incantation. He literally just said light and it happened because all of creation falls under the lordship, the supremacy of who God is. God is supreme over creation. So he said, sun, come into existence. And that same sun makes it so hot here all the way down the year, right? I mean, 
God is supreme over his creation. Just write some of these references down. Exodus 14, you see the story of the Israelites. They come out of Egypt and all of a sudden there's a big sea in front of them called the Red Sea. The Egyptians are behind them, gonna kill them. What does God do? God splits that Red Sea and they walk on dry land. There's no science, there's no invention today that can do what God just simply did thousands of years ago. Number 16, write that down, where God literally causes the earth to split open and swallow a bunch of Israelite rebels instantly. Joshua 10, God causes his creation, the sun, to just stand still for a while. Didn't move because God said so. We see in Isaiah 38, God orders the sun to go back 10 degrees on the, on the sundial because God said so. Full authority over all things at all times. Daniel gets thrown in the lion's den in the book of Daniel. They open up the next morning and Daniel's not harmed by the lions because God is supreme over lions. He can tell them what to do. And straight out of a Harry Potter movie, 1 Kings 17, he tells a bunch of ravens to go give food to his prophet Elijah. I'd have to be pretty hungry to take food from ravens. <laughs> but God does it because he's supreme, full authority over all things at all times over his creation. Let's keep moving. Number three, God is supreme in his plans. God is supreme in his plans. And this is where it might hit closer to home because part of, part of God's plans includes you and your life. We take comfort in verses like this, Job 23. Job talking about God, but he is unchangeable. And who can turn him back? What he desires, that he does. Echoes again in Job, Job 42. I know that you can do all things, talking about God, and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. What God plans, he will do. God plans something. Here's the amazing thing, that before the world was ever created, God knew every single plan that would lead up over thousands of years, trillions of different plans that would lead to the eventual destruction of the earth. God knew it all in between. A good leader can probably think three or four steps ahead in an organization. They can say, you know what, I'm gonna do this. It's gonna cause that, cause that, cause that. But God, since the beginning of time, was trillions of steps ahead of where he was going. His plans cannot be thwarted. Psalm 115, our God is in the heavens, okay? Similar words as we saw in Psalm two. He does all that he pleases. He sits there and he says, I want to do that and I will do it. One of my favorite verses on this subject, Isaiah 14, 24, eight simple words. As I have planned, God is talking, so shall it be. Kind of sounds like Yoda a little bit, right? <laughs> Look, God just saying, as I have planned, so shall it be. Such strength, such authority. There's no like quivering about it. Like I've planned this and I hope you all follow through with it. I've planned it and I hope this empire doesn't get in my way. I've planned this. I hope Donald Trump doesn't get in my way. No, he says, as I have planned, so shall it be because he is supreme in his plans. And there's times even in your own life where you say, you doubt, I have doubted. Is God supreme in his plans regarding my life? Because I don't understand what this plan in my life God is trying to do. Have you guys been there? Well, he's supreme in his plans and this can help you answer that question of why things sometimes happen. Number four, God is supreme in his knowledge. 
Just like the ant who's boycotting my lawnmower has no idea why I have to mow his home and his grass, there are times in our life where God's supreme plans runs counter to our plans, counter to what our thinking and our brains think should happen. But God is supreme in his plans because number four, God is supreme in his knowledge. He knows you're three or four steps ahead in your life. God's all the way to the end. He already knows. His knowledge is that supreme. So he knows that sometimes this must happen in your life for this next phase, for this next phase, for this next phase, and so on. He's already beat you to the end. He knows it. You could put the, the, the knowledge and smart brains of Albert Einstein and Thomas Edison and Stephen Hawking, you put them all together and they are just this minute glimpse of the, 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 how smart and how knowledgeable our God is. A verse for you, Proverbs 21, 30 says, no wisdom, no understanding, no counsel can avail against the Lord. Our God is so supreme in his knowledge that Nothing he does, absolutely nothing he does can be thwarted by you, by me, by Kim Jong-un, by any right or left-wing agenda, by pro-choice movement, by the church itself. Nothing can thwart the plans of God because God has already outsmarted every person, every empire, every leader that has ever existed or will exist. No plan can avail against the Lord. Which leads us to number five. God is supreme over your desires. Okay, listen to those words. Let it sink in. God is supreme over your desires. At first, as it hits you, you might think, Shane, I grew up in church, right? I know I've, I've got free will. I chose to go to this college. I chose to marry this person. I chose to follow Christ. I chose my career. I choose all day long. Are you saying I don't have free will? Are you saying, Shane, that God actually directs what I do and I don't have a say in that? Well, let's see what scripture would tell us. Proverbs 21, it's on the screen. The king's heart is a stream of water in the hand of the Lord. He turns it wherever he will. We'll look at another verse in a second, but, but stop and think about that analogy. Stop and think about that our God, our supreme God over your desires, over my desires, has your heart in his hand and compares it to a stream of water. So, so let me use like Pastor Chris as an example. Pastor Chris was a lawyer one day. He was practicing law. God holding his heart in his hand as a stream of water and God saying, I want Pastor Chris, I want him to be a preacher. I want him to pastor a church. And so God putting his hand down in the stream of his heart and all of a sudden the stream flows away from the bend of being a lawyer and towards the bend of being a pastor. You have the desire, you've had the desire from birth maybe you're, a mom in here and you've said, I've always just wanted to be a mom and nurture my kids and be at home and help. And you think at some point, God put that, his hand in your heart and put that stream where he wanted it to go. As Psalm 37, four says, delight yourself in the Lord 
and he will give you the desires of your heart. This does not mean that when you follow Christ, he's just gonna give you whatever you want. That you love Jesus, oh yes, he'll give you all the health and all the wealth that you want. No, when you love and you follow and you treasure Jesus and you treasure the supremacy of God, all of a sudden his hand will drop in your heart and direct the stream of your heart where he wants it to go. God is supreme over your desires. So you have, you have chosen, you want to be a businessman or a businesswoman to make a bunch of money, to be generous for the kingdom of God. You think that desire came from you? Psalm 37 would say, no, at some point, God put his hand in your heart and directed you that way. You have this desire to work with maybe mentally ill people in a group home and, and have compassion and empathy on them and you've had that for a while. You think you're so compassionate, you're so empathetic that that's where your heart drew you. God at some point put his hand in your heart and made the streams of water of your heart go the direction he wanted you to. God reigns supreme over your desires. And this should cause you some comfort. If you're a news junkie and you follow Fox News or CNN all the time, there's plenty of times where you, you should be afraid. If God doesn't direct the hearts of kings and leaders, we should all be terrified right now. Who knows what's gonna happen? But if God directs and is supreme over the desires, the heart of a leader, of a king over you, then we have great comfort to know that God has full authority, full rule over all desires at all things at all times. God is supreme over your desires. So we said God's supreme over us. He's supreme over creation. He's supreme in his plans. He's supreme in his knowledge. He's supreme over your desires. But number six, I want you to see, in case we missed anything, the Bible wants you to see that God is supreme over everything, Okay. Okay, this is a catch-all thing here because the Bible has this over and over. The Bible declares that God is supreme over everything. He has full rule, full reign over everything he has created, over every universe, over every galaxy, over every planet, over every person. He is reign supreme. First Chronicles 29, 11. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty. I mean, just over and over for all that is in the heavens. And in the earth is yours. Second Chronicles 20 echoes the same thing, talk, talking to God. You rule over all the kingdoms. Remember, over, has all authority, all rule over all the kingdoms of the nations. In your hand are power and might so that none is, with able, none is able to withstand you. So listen, before God, in the eyes of God, look, you and me, every ruler, every president that's existed, uh, your creepy neighbor, the Kardashian family, George Clooney, uh, all the popes, everyone, combine them all together and they're like grasshoppers in the eyes of God. They are nothing. God is this supreme God who rules and reigns over his creation. And you're saying, well, that's kind of mean. Doesn't God love me? Am I just literally an ant and a grasshopper, Shane? I want you to see that number seven would tell us otherwise. God's supremacy continues through Jesus Christ. Yes, in our greatness, we are as ants or grasshoppers. But if God didn't love you, 
his son Jesus Christ wouldn't have come in the New Testament for us. And so now we see God's supremacy now continuing. It's not passed on. God is still supreme, but it now it continues also through Jesus Christ. Nothing, nothing. Here's what I want you to see. Nothing compares to the supremacy of Jesus Christ, okay? Jesus, he's up here. God, Jesus, he's up here. And there is, there is literally not a close second, okay? I don't want you to leave here thinking, yep, God's supreme, and there's this one right, in the, right below it. How many... Uh, illustrate this. How many of you have played the game uh, Would You Rather? Anyone in this room? Yes? Okay, if you haven't, you don't have kids. Okay, my kids love this game and we, we basically taught them this game one day. And if you're not sure how to play this, what you do is you pit one really awful circumstance against another fairly equal awful circumstance, okay? So we're explaining this to my kids. I give them a couple examples. So I'm be like, okay, Jackson, so it'd be like me asking you, would you rather me take away all your possessions and valuables or take away all the pictures you've ever taken in your whole life. And all the women are like, keep the pictures. The men are like, I want my TV. You know, it's like, and so you gotta pick, like, which one is it? Or a painful one. You're like, um, um, would you rather be stung by a hundred bees or by a scorpion a hundred times? My kids are like, oh. But then Jonas pipes up and he goes, my Jonas, he's, he's nine now. He was eight at the time. And he goes, oh, dad, I get it. I get how to play this game. I said, great. He's like, let me do one. I said, great. So he says, dad, would, would you rather, while you're preaching one day, would you rather to forget to put on your watch or you forget to put on your pants? <laughs> and he's sitting there smiling. I'm like, Jonas, I don't think you get this game. All right. That's easy. Give me my pants. Right. And I'm explaining it to him again. And he's like, he cocks his head, like, listen to me. He's like, oh, I get it, Dad. Like, great. He's like, let me do another one. He goes, okay. He goes, Dad, would you rather you, you have no glasses or would you rather have no eyeballs? <laughs> <laughs> I just put my head in my hands. I'm like, Jonas, you don't get this game at all. <laughs> but he may get the supremacy of God, right? There, look, it's not would you rather. It's not two close things. It's, it's God and then you travel billions of years down and there's the next closest thing and then billions of down more and then there's dentists and then billions down. I had the dentist this week. I love you old dentists, but I, oh man. Okay, we'll keep, we'll keep going here. So nothing, nothing compares the supremacy of Jesus Christ. We believe this about Jesus. He's fully man. He breathed air. He ate food. He drank water. He experienced pain. He got tired. He was tempted. Fully man, a hundred percent. And we also believe that Jesus is fully God. That the full supremacy of God is now in Jesus. And Jesus is a embodiment of the supremacy of God. Two verses for you, Titus 2. Waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is fully God. Paul writes again in Colossians, for in him, who's him? It's Jesus. In him, the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. The full supremacy of God, the full deity of God dwells in bodily form in Jesus Christ. And if we were to just see my prayer as we speak over the next few moments is that the Holy Spirit would open eyes to see the supremacy of Jesus Christ. That you see it. 
You savor, you love it, you treasure the supremacy of Jesus Christ. Listen as I tell you some of the ways, just, just the tip of the iceberg of the ways Jesus reigns supreme. Jesus is supreme in his deity. Okay, we talked about this. He's, he's equal to God. He is the radiance of God's glory, the exact imprint of God's nature. This is Jesus. He's infinite, boundless in all his excellencies. Jesus is supreme in his eternality, okay? So if you would even try for a moment to think about that, that Jesus never had a beginning, he will never have an end, he just simply was, it would make your mind explode with that thought. Jesus is supreme in his never-changing constancy. He's constant in his virtues. He's constant in his character. He's constant in his promises he makes. He will never change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Jesus is supreme in his knowledge. So that if you added up all of the libraries in all the world and the trillions of pages of information that exists on the internet, it would, am it would amount to a single sheet of paper in comparison to the supremacy of Jesus' knowledge. Jesus is supreme in his authority. Full authority over heaven, over earth, over hell, so that no angel, no man, no demon can move a single inch without the permission of Jesus Christ. Jesus is supreme in his word, holding together at all times the universe, the galaxies, every atom, every molecule that exists. Jesus is supreme in his power power to calm storms, power to heal the deaf ears, to open blind eyes, power to raise the dead with a single word or even a single thought. Jesus is supreme in his purity. He never once sinned, never once for a millisecond had a bad attitude or a lustful thought. Jesus is supreme in his patience. Think about this, enduring the dullness of my love and the dullness of your love decade after decade, the dullness, the wickedness of humanity, century after century after century, the supreme patience of God on full display. Jesus is supreme in his grace, giving life to spiritually dead people and passing on righteousness to us. And Jesus is supreme in his love, willingly dying, laying down his life for you and I while we were still sinners. If you were to fully grasp everything I just said about Jesus, you would see but the barren outskirts of the supremacy of Jesus Christ. God's supremacy continues through Jesus Christ, which which we have to land the plane with our final thing. I told you there are eight things. And the final thing I want you to write down and I want you to think about is just this question. Is God supreme in your life? And if you're taking notes, maybe even make it personal. Is God supreme in my life? Write that down. God reigns supreme in his word. We see it over and over. It's been hours talking about this. And I think we didn't get to 2018 for God to throw his hands up and say, hey, I'm done being supreme, right? God reigns supreme today and it happens oftentimes through and in our lives. And the question is, is God supreme in your life? A verse to help you analyze where we're gonna go, 1 Corinthians 10. Paul says, so whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do all for the glory of God. What Paul says 
what Paul is making mention of, and the principle mentioned here is, what are the patterns in your life that say God is supreme? The eating, the drinking, where you spend your time, where you spend your money, what you do, what you value. What are those things and do they give evidence to the fact that God reigns supreme in your life? So to give an example of this, how many of you remember a Franklin planner? Anyone? Michelle's raising her hand high. I think she still has one. Like 30 years ago, these were the thing. This huge binder you carried around. It had your whole life in it. Uh, now it's boiled down to a single, uh, single device right here. And so if I stumbled across your Fra this Franklin planner, and it was, I don't know who it is. I left it at church and I start thumbing through it. Say it belonged to you and you left it here. I start thumbing through the, the yearly calendar. I'm trying to see who this belongs to. If I thumbed through your calendar, would I see evidences that God reigns supreme in your life? Are there evidences by how you spend your time that God is the Lord, that you submit to the Lordship of Jesus Christ? Are there evidences in your calendar of church attendance, of, of being in a growth group, of, of sharing your home, of hospitality? Are there evidences in your calendar where I say, wow, this person looks like they love God. If I thumbed further in your Franklin planner, the part in the back, you put a bunch of receipts in. Okay, look through those. Yeah, I'm being nosy, who cares? Looking through your receipts, start looking at them and I'm, can I see by how you spend your money that God has supreme lordship in your life? What do I see you value by what I see you spend your money on? Do you, do you value good food? Do you value technology and comfort? Do you value your kids going pro in a sports? Do you value your spouse? Do you value a TV? Do you, what do you value by how your money gets spent? Would I see any evidences that God has supreme authority over your money? I should say over his money. Do I see any evidences? Do I see any evidences that God has top priority in your life? If I looked at your phone and went to the battery part and looked at all the apps, do I, what, what do I see? What do I see saying this person loves God or this person, this person values this game, right? This person values this app in their life. Where do you spend your time and your money? Where you do that gives evidence to the fact or not that God is supreme in your life. There may be some of you in this room already thinking, okay, so next week I'm gonna be prepared to give. I'm gonna join a growth group, make church more of a priority. I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna do that to show God he is supreme in my life. And you can no more do that than wrap a tortilla around yourself and call yourself a burrito. Because there are some in this room who may have walked an aisle, who may have checked a card at some point, may have made a decision, but yet are not converted. You are not saved there's no evidences, there's no, nothing in your life to point to that God reigns as supreme Lord in your life. Before you started coming to church, 
You weren't unchurched. You were dead. Before you were a Christian, you weren't a lousy giver. You need to be resurrected from the dead. John 6, 35, Jesus talks, says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not be hungry. Whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Whoever, whoever comes, whoever looks at Jesus and say, that's what I want. It doesn't say whoever comes to church, whoever comes to giving more, whoever comes to spend more time on Christian things, whoever makes Christianity a hobby. No, whoever comes to Jesus. And what does that mean? It means you believe in Jesus. You look at Jesus. He's your bread. He's your satisfaction. He's your treasure. He's the water that you desire. And you run and you say, that is what I need. And from that, the transformation takes place and evidences of your time and your money, what you value, begin to point to the supreme God in your life. Last verse for you of the day, 2 Corinthians 3. And we all with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image. Does it say instantly? No, from one degree of glory to another. So that you can look back. God is the supreme Lord of your life. You can look back 10 years from now and you, or 10 years and you say, God has done an amazing work in my life. You can look at sin patterns in your life that you once had and you can say, I am more freed from my slavery to that sin now than I was 10 years ago because God is doing a transformation. And the evidences of that transformation is that I, I love coming to church. I love being in community. I love giving. And 10 years later, you'll love it more. And 10 years later, you love it more. And degree from one degree to the next, God is doing the transformation because what God does is not call you to attend a church. He doesn't call you to give in an offering bucket or on your phone. He doesn't call you to a growth group. He calls your soul to swell around the magnitude of his supremacy. He calls your soul to look at Jesus and say, that is what I want. That is what I treasure. And when you do that, you mock, you mock sin as a powerless thrill that it is. Before you were a Christian, you weren't unchurched. You were dead. That question lingers even in my own mind. Is God supreme in my life? Because he does reign supreme. He's supreme over Mount Everest, supreme over the depths of the ocean, supreme over every government, every army, every hurricane, and Hurricane Florence included, over every tornado. He's, he, is, he is supreme over every chemical process, over cancer and flu and malaria, over governments and armies and internet and research and academia, media. He is supreme over it all, as Abraham Kuyper says, that there's not one square inch of this world that Jesus Christ doesn't say, mine. So the question is, will you submit yourself to the lordship 
of Jesus Christ. Because when you do, you look at the treasure you have in Jesus. You look at his supremacy and you say, that's enough. You look at Jesus at the same time looking away from everything else and you say, that's all I need. Do you treasure the supremacy of Christ in your life? Let's pray. God, I love you. God, I thank you. Thank you for your word that is very clear this morning. You reign supreme. You are supreme over all creation. You are supreme over every human being. Your plans, your knowledge, they reign supreme. You reign supreme even over our desires and what you want us to love and what you want us to hate. Supremacy continues through Jesus Christ. And God, I pray today that you would help the supremacy of God be made more evident in my life. God, for each of us in this room, I pray that the supremacy of God would be made more and more evident in our lives. And for those in this room who have yet to make that decision to say, God is my Lord, my supreme Lord, who can actually tell me what to do, I pray for their hearts this morning. I pray that they would They would not be called to do anything. They would be called to treasure you and to see you as supreme, the supreme deity, Jesus Christ. I pray for that work right now. Holy Spirit, that you would do that in the hearts, in my heart, and the hearts of every person in this room this morning. God, we pray all this through your son's name, Jesus Christ, who is supreme. Amen.